Hello, welcome to my first podcast. So in this podcast, we will do current affairs so that when you can going to sleep or you are going for a walk or anything for you can listen to my podcast and get your current affairs updated from the whole year. So we will start from January and I'll try to give you a crux of the current affairs if you need something you can search that and get a detail on that so here we go so it's january 2020 and we are here with our current affairs northeast gas pipeline grid project northeast gas line grid project will connect kovati to the major northeast cities and major load centers it is 1656 km long the project is being implemented under ambitious urja ganga gas pipeline project besides connecting all the state capitals in the region the pipeline will also connect with the national gas grid through brownie kovati gas pipeline which is being laid by GAIL the pipeline will enable the supply of piped cooking gas to households and CNG to automobiles besides fuel to industry the northeast pipeline grid is to be implemented by Indra Dhanush gas grid a joint venture of state owned GAIL India Indian Oil Corp Oil and Natural Gas Corp Oil India Limited and Numaligarh Refinery Limited So the gas pipeline project aims to provide piped cooking gas to residents of Varanasi and later to millions of people in states like Bihar, Jharkhand, West Bengal and Odisha. From Varanasi perspective, an 800 km long MDPI pipeline will be laid and 50,000 households and 20,000 vehicles will get PNG and CNG gas respectively. The government estimates that around 5 lakh gas cylinders will be sent at rural areas annually. According to GAIL, with the Urja Ganga project, 20 lakh households will get PNG connections. The project is said to be a major step towards collective growth and development of the eastern region of India. GAIL has built a network of trunk pipelines covering the length of around 11,000 km. with urja ganga project this number will further increase by 2540 means 2540 kilometers the funding support to the gas grid is a part of a broader goal of the government to raise the share of natural gas in the country's energy mix to 15% by 2030 its current figure is 6.2% the government has invested developing the national gas grid at present about 16788 km natural gas pipeline is operational and about 14239 km gas pipelines are being developed to increase the availability of natural gas across the country this national gas grid pipeline will remove regional imbalance within the country with regard to access for natural gas and provide clean and green fuel throughout the country 
to connect gas sources to major demand centers and ensure availability of gas to consumers in various sectors, development of city gas distribution networks in various cities for the supply of CNG and PNG. So this was the first news about a gas line. So second is Mineral Laws Amendment Ordinance 2020. The Union Cabinet has approved the promulgation of Mineral Laws Amendment Ordinance 2020 that will amend the Mines and Minerals Development and Regulation Act 1957 and Coal Mines Provision Act 2015. Allocation of coal or lignite blocks for composite prospecting license come mining lease has been provided. Requirement of previous approval in cases where allocation of blocks was made by central government has been dispensed with. This will send up, speed up the process of implementation of projects, ease of doing business, simplification of procedures and benefits all the parties in areas where minerals are located. In 2018, the government had allowed commercial mining by private entities, but non-coal companies could not participate in the auction. In August 2019, the government announced 100% foreign direct investment under the automatic route in coal mining for open sale, besides creating associated infrastructures such as watcheries. This move will open up the sector to players outside steel and powers as well as removes and use restrictions. It will create an efficient energy marketing and bring in more competition as well as reduce coal imports. India imported 235 million tons of coal last year, means in 2019, of which 135 meter valued at Rs 1,71,000 crore could have been met from domestic reserve. It might also put an end to Coal India Limited's monopoly in the sector. It will also help India gain access to high-end technology for underground mining used by miners across the globe. In 2018, the government allowed commercial mining by private entities and set a mining target of 1.5 billion tons by 2020. Out of this, 1 billion tons was set up to be from Coal India while 500 million tons was to be from non-coal entities. This target has now been revised to 1 billion tons by 223 to 24. The state government's grant permission for mining, known as mineral concessions for all the minerals located within the boundary of the state under the provisions of the Mines and Minerals Development and Regulation Act 1957 and Mineral Concession Rules 1960. If you want to know more about these acts, you can google this and know about that. However, for minerals specified in the first schedule into the Mines and Minerals Development and Regulation Act 1957, central government approval is necessary before granting the mineral concession. Minerals specified under the first schedule include hydrocarbons, atomic minerals and metallic minerals such as iron ore, bauxite, copper ore, lead, precious stone, zinc and gold. So this was about coal mining of India's move. Next news in January was Transgender Persons Protection of Rights Act 2019. The Social Justice Ministry notified the Transgender Persons Protection of Rights Act 2019. The bill was passed by Parliament in November 2019. 
This will benefit a large number of transgender persons, mitigate the stigma, discrimination and abuse against this marginalized section and bring them into the mainstream of society. This will lead to inclusiveness and will make the transgender persons productive members of the society. So there is a new definition also given. A transgender person is somebody whose gender does not match the gender assigned to that person at birth and includes trans men or trans women, persons with intersex variations, gender queers and persons having socio-culture identity such as Kinnar, Hijras, Aravani and Jokta. So this act is have some criticism also. The act is silent on granting reservations to transgender person. It has prescribed punishment for organized begging. However, the act doesn't provide anything to better to condition in those areas. It does not provide for reservation. It also does not mention any punishments for rape or sexual assault of transgender persons as according to section 375 and 376 of the Indian Penal Code, rape is only when a man forcefully enters a woman. So guys, hope you are liking these three news and I am trying to explain it. So I read the Hindu newspaper on daily basis. So I just try to crux the main points or main news to you. So let's we can go ahead I think. Open Acreage Licensing Policy Government has launched the bidding process offering 11 areas in oil and gas blocks under Open Acreage Licensing Policy Round B OALPV What is Open Acreage Licensing Policy? A critical part of the hydrocarbon exploration and licensing policy provides uniform licenses for exploration and production of all forms of hydrocarbons enabling contractors to explore unconventional as well as conventional oil and gas resources. Fields are offered under a revenue sharing model and through up marketing and pricing freedom for crude oil and natural gas produce. So guys if you want to know how it works you can search it on. Here is a can be a question in small papers like clerical competitive exam or some other exam what is NDR so NDR has been created to provide explorers data on the country's depositors allowing them to choose fields according to their capabilities data received through the national seismic program an in-depth study of 26 sedimentary basins are continuously being added to NDR so next news is Tri has asked TRAI, it's Telecom Authority of India, I think. Tri has asked the telecom service providers to deposit all unclaimed money of consumers, including excess charges and security deposit, in the Telecommunication Consumers Education and Protection Fund. It includes money on account of excess billing revealed in the audit, unclaimed money such as security deposits and plan charges of failed activations. Such unclaimed or non-refundable amount belonging to consumers would be deposited in the TCEP fund 
as it will be utilized for the welfare measures of the consumer. Provided in the Telecommunications Consumer Education and Protection Fund Regulations of 2007, it offers a basic framework for depositing unclaimed money of consumers by service providers, maintenance of the fund and other aspects. The income from the fund is utilized from programs and activities relating to consumer education and protection. So next news is from the Punjab in January. The Punjab cabinet has given its approval to a Punjab right to a business bill 2020. It is aimed at ensuring ease of doing business for the micro, small and medium enterprises sector. Under the law, an MSME unit can be set up after in-principal approval from the District Bureau of Enterprise headed by the Deputy Commissioner, working under the guidance of the State Nodal Agency headed by the Directors Industries. So you can ask why this was needed. So according to the government, the act will have overriding powers over various acts of different departments that make approvals necessary before the setting up of small and medium units. This purpose could not have been achieved by an executive order. So next news is from China. The birth rate in China has fallen to the lowest in 70 years. The birth rate in 2019 was 10.48 per 1000, the lowest since 1949. The number of babies born in 2019 fell over by 580,000 to 14.65 million. The fall in birth rate can be largely attributed to China's one-child policy, which came into force in 1979 under then-leader Deng Xiaoping. Why this one-child policy was adopted? It was adopted out of the Malutian fears that unchecked population growth would lead to economic and environmental catastrophe. It was also a response to concerns about food shortages. Thomas Rabot Malthus was the first economist to propose a systematic theory of population. He articulated his views regarding population in his famous book Essay on the Principle of Population 1798 for which he collected empirical data to support his thesis. He argued that if left unchecked, a population will outgrow its resources leading to a host of problems. Wow. Next is a very interesting news guys, three capitals for Andhra Pradesh. The Andhra Pradesh Assembly has passed the Andhra Pradesh Decentralization and Equal Development of All Regions Bill 2020. This law paves the way for three capitals for the state. The three capitals are Amravati, Legislative Capital, Vishakha Patnam. Executive Capital 
Kurnool Judicial Capital. The government says it is against building one mega capital while neglecting other parts of the states. Three capitals ensure equal development of different regions of the state. Decentralization has been the central theme in recommendation of all major committees that were set up to suggest a suitable location for the capital of Andhra Pradesh. These include Justice B. N. Chiri Krishna Committee, K. Sivara Makrishnan Committee, G. N. Rao Committee. So, this has put some challenges also. This decision has put some challenges in front of the legislator. Coordinating between seats of legislature and executive in separate seats will be easier said than done and with the government offering no specifics of a plan, officers and common people alike fear a logistic nightmare. Executive capital Vishakhapatnam is 700 km from judicial capital Kurnul and 400 km from legislative capital Amravati. The Amravati-Kurnul distance is 370 km. The time and cost of travel will be significant. So is there some other capitals also, other capital cities which have multiple capitals? So yes, we have Sri Lanka. Sri Zay Vardhanapura Kote is the official capital and seat of national legislature while Colombo is the de facto seat of national executive and judicial bodies. Second one we have Malaysia has its official and royal capital and seat of national legislature at Kuala Lumpur and Putrajaya is the administrative centre and seat of national judiciary. So we have also examples of this in India also. Maharashtra has two capitals Mumbai and Nagpur which hold the winter session of the state assembly. Himachal Pradesh has capitals at Shimla and Dharamshala for its winter. The former state of Jammu and Kashmir had Shirinagar and Jammu as winter capital. So guys, these were some main Jan January we are doing. I do Hindu and I do it from Hindu. I read Hindu on daily basis. I also recommend you to do Hindu if you are preparing for a competitive exam, whether it's a clerical exam or it's a UPSC, you should read the Hindu. And if you are reading Hindu and listening to my podcast before going to sleep, it will be better that you don't need to make any notes of current affairs as you will be your mind will be your notebook and it will feed the necessity information so you have to just listen to this podcast before going to sleep i recommend it before going to sleep it is up to you when you feel suitable and do read the hindu on daily basis thank you have a nice day ahead and if you are going to sleep then sleep tight and i think we will go with other good news and other major news of the country so we are going January so we will continue from here there are so much interest also and if you find some term which you don't know and which you can't be then put that term in a note in your mobile keep note app from Google and you can search it the very next day when you go to your study desks thank you